but your your life revolves around people and food. So, <laughs> food is your safe space. All right, kids, you can go on upstairs. Sorry. Get you guys out of here. Some of you have already gone gone through this stage in your life, and some of you are not there yet. Some of you are in the same stage that I am. But you know, I, I'm I'm finding as I get older, and as our kids have grown, and and now Kareth is going to be finishing up her sophomore year of college, and Thane is going to be finishing his master's degree this year, and Tyler out and about and uh, doing what he's doing, and you know, I I've, I've found that. Uh, as you watch your kids grow up, that that uh, it the important things. It, it's really not what what profession your kid is doing that becomes important. It, it's not how much money they're making that's important. But uh, for me, what I'm finding is that that the most important thing is that they're finding peace in in serving the Lord and and love the Lord. And as long as he's the priority and they're serving him and doing whatever it is that they're doing, that, that they're doing that and serving God, I find as a parent a great sense of peace that I know that God has given. And, and so those of you that uh, are, are still in that stage where you're the ones that's going to be bringing the kids here on that family night and you're thinking that, uh, you you don't know if you're going to survive this part of your life and and uh, trust me, as as that saying goes, I understand that uh, the uh, the days are long but the years are short, and and I understand that. And you know what you just focus on, you just focus on loving the Lord and leading your children and teaching them to love the Lord and trust in Him and rely on Him. And, and he will bless your family. And it's been a blessing because, you know, our, our kids have grown up in this ministry. And, and uh, really, you know, they didn't have any choice. They didn't have a choice in who their parents were. And they didn't have a choice in what their parents did uh, in their lives. And so they have been a, a part of this. And, and I just never, I, I, I don't, wouldn't say I was angry about it, but they just... They just didn't have a choice whether they stayed home or not. They just came and they helped in the ministry and, and they learned to serve. And, and uh, I just thank God they're not perfect, trust me. And, uh, and we've had our issues along the way. But, but there is such a, a sense of peace when, when you see that, that your kids are trying to do their best to do what God wants them to do and, and uh, serve. And, and uh, it, it's been such a blessing. It's been such a blessing for my kids to grow up and their entire childhood been in one church, one church their entire childhood. And uh, what, what, a, what a wonderful church family this is to uh, the way that you have treated our family through the years. And it's been a wonderful privilege to be your pastor and continue to uh, look forward to many more years together. And, and I ask that as thing comes that you pray for him as he finishes up his master's degree and not sure what God has for him. Many of you have been in that same boat. You're in a, maybe you're in a stage of your life right now, and you're like, 
I don't, I don't know what it is that God wants me to do, and so I challenge you, just keep doing what you know that God wants you to do right now, and, and he'll show you, and, and God will show Thane by the end of May, or the first of May, what, what it is that he wants him to do, but it is a blessing to uh, uh, see Thane come and preach. I have his, all of his messages, I've been kind of honorary, I always made him give me a copy of them, and I put them in a file in my file cabinet, and I think his first message that he preached was in 2010. So that was nine years ago. How old were you nine years ago, Thane? How old are you now? I would have been, I don't even remember, 13. Anyway, he'd have been 13 years old. So when he preached his first message and always just been a, been a, a blessing. And, and uh, you know, I found as my kids have moved on and, and doing their own thing, you, you find out how much you relied on them in the ministry too and, and how much of an assistance they've been and, but uh, Thane it is. It, it's a blessing. It's a privilege. I've been praying for you. You come and preach what God's laid on your heart. That's not allowed. You've got to use the Bible. <laughs> oh, okay. Matthew chapter 6. It's good to be back. Um, Dad asked me a couple weeks ago when I was back in California if I wanted to preach. I said, sure. I'm kind of ready to go back to California. It's a little cold here right now. But I can honestly say in Lancaster, a friend texted me, they got about three inches of snow, um, started about 10 o'clock on Christmas Day. So it's not much warmer back there. But Matthew chapter 6, I'm going more of a topical route. Dad always, most of the time, Dad preaches expositionally. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means you take a passage of Scripture and you preach verse by verse. All of your main points and main thoughts are from that text. There's another form of preaching called topical. It's where you preach on a certain topic. It's a little harder. Dad and myself were talking about it last night. It's a little harder to study out because you run the risk of taking a passage out of context or not using it to the full force. So I'm hopefully going to do this passage justice. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your love in this church, this family that you've assembled together, Lord. I pray that as we sit around your word for a few moments, that you just open the hearts and the ears of these people to hear what you want them to hear. Father, we thank you and love you. It's your name we pray, amen. I ask that you keep your Bibles open. You're going to be turning quite a bit with me. So get ready for that. If you're taking notes, I try to keep my outlines as organized as possible, but sometimes it doesn't happen. But how many of you are like me and you have the temptation to make New Year's resolutions every year? Raise your hand if you are a resolution type person. Now, how many of you are like me that once you get to about January 7th, you've decided let's forget that resolution and move on? That's me. We get so caught up in the busyness of our schedules and our lives, especially those of you who have kids at home, your lives are not exactly calm and quiet anymore. We get so caught up in the chaos of our lives that we tend to lack any discipline to move our schedules around those priorities. It's a lot to change your lifestyle. It's a lot to take your life and say, hey, I want to improve this this year. I want to make more this year. I want to read more this year. I want to the age old one, I want to lose more weight this year. That's always my big thing. Then I realize mom's too good of a cook and I'm not passing up her food. 
Our priorities need to shift if we are to succeed in our new resolutions. The world's priorities are all about self-help. And we can get so caught up in our world's chase to better themselves, and we think, if only I did this or changed this, would my life be better and more fulfilling? If I made this amount this year, if I experienced this, then my life would have purpose. Our priorities are defined by our desire to feel better about ourselves or our position. What we fail to realize that in this pursuit, in this chase of, temp of temporal happiness, it'll only lead to temporal joy. We can work hard at making money or moving up into a position, but we fail to realize that every step of worldly success is built upon the sacrificing of something. Whether that's your time, your money, your comfort, your family, worldly success will only be brought about by the sacrificing of something. So what are you sacrificing in your pursuit of menial purpose in existence? What is not allowing you to experience the best of what God has for you? The world has a thing of priorities, and you see so much in today's society about being successful, about worldly monetary success. But any of you who are in business, any of you who own a company or work in a position, you know that to build yourself up, you have to sacrifice something. You ask any Fortune 500 CEO, they will say they had to sacrifice something to get to that point. They didn't get to that point working nine to five, five days a week. We don't get to a point of worldly success by just doing what we're doing every day. We have to sacrifice something. But see, the promises of God are similar. To be successful in the Christian life, you have to sacrifice something as well. You might have to sacrifice some comfort. You might have to sacrifice some time. But here's the difference. That worldly success will pass away one day. The sacrifices that you make in pursuit of God, he says he'll repay tenfold one day. Those are our priorities we need to have. And the Bible is clear about some priorities that we need to take more than others. Number one, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. We need to have a priority of worship over worry. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 says, now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she should help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What we have here is a contrast of what true Christianity is. We have, a certain, we have sects of, of Christianity that have decided, I need to do stuff to earn my salvation. I need to do stuff to please God. When in reality, they've neglected the fact that our primary goal in life, our primary purpose for existence is to bring honor and glory to God. What we see is Martha's cumbered about. She's worrying and fretting over, is everything just right for Jesus? What she's failed to realize is Jesus is already there. 
Martha was worried with the house, that the house would not be good enough for the guest. And in doing so, she was neglecting the guest himself. Our relationship with Jesus needs to focus, needs to be that of genuine worship, not a worrisome attitude about whether or not he is pleased with us. When we lose focus of what true worship is, we'll fall into the trap of idolatry. We worship our actions, talents, and positions rather than the Savior. One author said, too busy to read the Bible, too busy to wait and pray, too busy to speak out kindly to someone who passes by the way, too busy working and worrying to think of the life to come, too busy building earthly mansions to plan for the heaven above. Too busy to help a brother who faces trials and suffering woes. Too busy to share his burden. No time, I'm busy, you know. Too busy for all that is holy on earth beneath the sky. Too busy to serve the master, but not too busy to die. If Jesus was to walk into your life today, would you have time for him personally or would you be too busy getting ready for him? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me all ye that are labor." And are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This year, prioritize rest and worship over worry and fret. Live your life ready for Jesus to come at any point. So number one, prioritize worship over worry. Number two, prioritize giving over receiving. This is the season of giving. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. My favorite part about Christmas is receiving presents. Always has been. I'm, I'm, just, I'm a little selfish that way. I love receiving presents. It makes, I'm one of those people, one of my love languages is getting gifts. I don't know if that's actually one of the love languages, but that's one of my love languages, getting gifts. But as I have gotten older, I've enjoyed giving them just as much. I'm not very good at it since all the Christmas presents for my family are coming in tomorrow. But... I love giving gifts. <laughs> Moms came in yesterday, so I wasn't too late on that one. But see, it is one of the greatest joys in life is when you receive a present, but also giving is another joy. But God has placed a special emphasis on giving in the Bible. He instructs us to give in several ways. And this isn't just about monetary giving. We'll talk a little bit about that, but it's all about your time and your talents. It's about giving of yourself to God and to the ministry. But number one, he tells us to give securely. Luke, 6, Luke chapter 6, verse 19 says, Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We have a lot of charities in the world today. One of my favorite places to eat back at school, and I don't know how you guys will feel about this, is a place called Panda Express. I love it because the portions and price are perfect for college students. It's a lot of food for cheap, so it's always good for us. But one of the things they always do at Panda Express is when you're checking out, is like, hey, would you like to round up your cost and donate the extra to the children's hospital? I'm thinking, hey, that's great. That'll look great on my credit card statement. All this even numbers, I like that. My OCD is a is pleased by that. But you're giving so much in today's society. Every place, would you give to this charity? Would you give to this? Would you give to this needy organization? But when was the last time that you gave to something that you know is going to be used for something eternal? Like I said, this is talking not only about money, but this is talking about time and talents. 
What are you investing in right now? What are you investing your time in right now? We need to invest our time into family. Not only our family God's given us, but the church family. We need to invest our talents in the things that will last forever. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So give securely, but number two, give liberally, because God requires faith. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. If you want God's liberal blessings on your life, you might need to give a little more liberally. I don't, myself, I don't want God's blessings from a conservative point of view. I don't want him to conserve blessings on my life. God, I just, I just need a little right now. God, I, that's too much. I don't need that. No, I want it all. I, I do. I want the best that God has to offer for me. But what am I giving to earn that? What, am I giving God conservative amount of time? God, I'll give you an hour a week, but I'm expecting all your blessings, but I, that's just the hour I'm going to give you. I had a finance teacher tell me, he said, we were talking about tithe one day. I said, so do you, do you tithe on the net or the gross income? He says, well, do you want the net or the gross blessings? I started thinking about that, and it's like, it's so true about our time. We try to budget and conserve everything that we are into the certain set. But God says, give and it shall be given unto you tenfold. So give liberally, but number three, give expectingly because God will provide. Second Corinthians 9, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, but he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye also, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Why do we give? Why does God, the eternal, all-powerful God, need our time, talents, and treasures? Because he wants to bless us more than we can ever imagine. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Bible in the New Testament. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bible there, because this verse changed my life a number of years ago with this same finance teacher. Malachi 3, in verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Giving should be a blessing. Giving your time, your money, your talents. Don't hoard them. Give them to the Lord. Because he promises to open the windows of heaven. So we see giving, giving rather than receiving. But number three, I want you to look at this. Romans chapter 12. Prioritize transformation over confirmation. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of the hardest parts about living in today's culture is the constant pressure to conform to the standard and ways of thinking of the world. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter what side politically, socially, economically you're on, you're always told to conform to the other side. It doesn't matter if it's the conservative media or the liberal media. You're always taught and told from them, conform to our way of thinking, our way of life. Isn't it so true? But God says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Paul addresses the believers in this passage to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing means to change for the better or to renovate. The change in your thinking and the way of life is brought about by being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the process of surrendering, is becoming a living sacrifice. We as Christians need to practice the art of dying to self every day. Dying to our desires, our dreams, our aspirations, and being surrendered to whatever God has for our life. Ryan, can you come help me? I need Ryan to help me out. This is an illustration. I didn't tell Ryan about this earlier, but Ryan, I want you to lay on the ground. You're going to be dead. (laughs) Ryan's dead. (laughs) Good victim. But Ryan's dead. Ryan doesn't feel anything. Ryan in this state isn't offended. I can come over and say, like, Ryan couldn't do that well the other day. Man, Ryan didn't do that well the other day. Do you see what Ryan did the other day? He doesn't react to it. He also doesn't react to like, hey, Ryan did a great job the other day. Ryan, you did really good the other day. He hasn't reacted. See, dying to self means you react to no one's praise or condemnation. You don't react to what people have to say about you, whether that's good or bad. The only person that can move a dead man is Jesus. Notice that in the Bible? The only person to ever move a dead man was Jesus. He should be the only one that can move you as well. People's opinions, whether they're good or bad, should not affect your life. The only thing that should affect your life is what Jesus Christ thinks of you. Thanks, Ryan. You can go. Plays a good victim. But you see, we as Christians are told in in the Bible to die to self daily. Paul says, I die daily. A dead man doesn't get offended, become angry, get depressed, or respond to praise or acclaim. We can lose sight of the goal of Christianity to bring glory and honor to God by worshiping the me idol too often. How many of you say, I don't worship money at all? I mean, I, I give my money freely. I'm generous with it. Or I give of my talents But how many of you have that me idol always up there? Is this good for me? Is this best for me? This year prioritize being surrendered to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit instead of conforming to the influence of today's culture and your your selfishness. Number four, prioritize preparing for the future over dwelling on the past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, 
Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Look down to verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whom whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. We as humans are great at remembering the past better than focusing on the future. We're great at looking at the past and like, I'm not going to be able to do this because this happened. I can't do this because of what I did in the past. We're also good at looking at this like, it's not as good as what happened a few years ago. You see the children of Israel at the time when Ezra rebuilds the temple and Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall. You see these people come in and they're complaining like it's not as good as what Solomon did. And they've lost the blessing of the future because they're focusing on the blessings of the past. That's our lives. Our lives need to be spent not looking at the past, whether that was good or bad, not dwelling on the past of what happened, but looking instead to the future. It's a matter of saying, God, I know this happened. God, I learned from this, but that's done with. Show me what you have tomorrow. Show me what you have next. You see, the word reaching forth says to strain for or working for. And the high calling is the unity in God through Jesus Christ. This is our glorified state. We dwell on our past successes and we doubt because of our past failures. We can lose sight of God's current blessings because we're too busy dwelling on his previous ones. You see, if you are saved today, it's the best thing to ever happen to you. And the thing you need to be striving for is that one day, what the Bible says, a conversation, it's your citizenship in heaven. Everything you do needs to be working towards that goal. It needs to be coming to the fact that when Jesus comes and the eastern sky is split and he comes down and brings his bride home, you're ready to go right then. But if you're not, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have a choice to live in the defeat of sin or live in the victory of Christ. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It also says, for the wages of sin is death. But it also says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, that citizenship in heaven is not something you can buy or you can work for. It's not something you can strive for with all your effort and might. No, it's something you decide to say, God, I'm unworthy of it. I'm unworthy of being there with you. But I'm asking that you take me. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, believe in you and your son and let me into heaven. See, we need to realize the importance of that relationship. If you're not saved, today's the day. If you are saved, we need to look forward to that future citizenship. A gardener for a large estate in northern Italy was conducting a visitor through the castle in the beautiful, well-groomed grounds. As the visitor had lunch with the gardener and his wife, he commended them for the beautiful way that they were keeping the gardens. He asked, by the way, when was the last time the owner was here? Well, about 10 years ago, the gardener replied. The visitor asked, then why do you keep the gardens in such immaculate, lovely manner? The gardener replied, because I'm expecting him to return. 
Is he coming this week? The gardener replied, I don't know when he's coming, but I'm expecting him today. You see, we never know when our life will end. Dad had said he's done almost 20 funerals this year. We were looking at those funerals the other day, and a majority of them were under the age of 40. He's buried anyone from a new year ba newborn baby to a teenager to Becky's daughter yesterday, who was 25. The Bible says our lives are but a vapor. It says, teach us to number our days. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next hour. And if you're not ready for that time, you have to do it now. And if you are, you're like saying, I know if I die today, I'm heading, I'm going to heaven. Are you preparing for that time then? It's not about leaving a legacy. It's not about leaving a good memory for your family. It's not about leaving them in financial success. It's about, God, what do you have for me now? Because I don't know when I'm leaving, God. What do I need to do right now? Are you ready for the trumpet to sound? As Christ calls his bride home. Are you dwelling on a past? Have you neglected preparing for that citizenship in heaven? We don't get a second chance at this thing called life. We don't get a second chance to decide, you know, God, I didn't prioritize right. I didn't prioritize my finances were far above my family. My faith was down there about six or seven on the list. My church, it was, it was something I did every once in a while. God, I didn't read my Bible enough, but God, I want a second chance. You don't get one. We get one chance. Any of those people who'd passed away in the past year, I'm sure they'd want a second chance. But I'm sure there's a few that are saying, you know, I did all I could. I'm happy where I'm going. I'm proud of the life I lived. So how are your priorities today? Are you worrying too much about what God has what God's going to do, or if God's pleased with you, or are you worshiping him daily? Are you giving to something that's eternal? Or are you just wanting to receive what he has? Are you being transformed in his image? Are you conforming to the world's culture? Are you dwelling on your past or preparing for your future? Father, thank you for everything you've given to us, Lord. Lord, we love you. Lord, we know you want the best for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that as people in here maybe make a New Year's resolution this year and decide I'm going to do this differently, Lord, I pray that they put you towards the top of that list. Lord, if there's anyone in here who isn't saved, Lord, and doesn't know where they're going if they die, Lord, I pray that they accept you today. If they have questions, come see me, Pastor Monday, Pastor Wes. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. I ask every head bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm not going to ask you to embarrass yourself at all, but I want you to think, how's your priorities this year? 
Was money a priority over your family this year? Was some activity a priority over your faith? Was saving up for now more important than saving up for the future in heaven? I see you make a decision, you pray, and you say, God, I want to prioritize what is right and what you have for me. If you're not saved, I want you to come see me or Pastor Monday right after, and we can walk you through. Father, thank you again for this day. It's your name I pray. Amen. Real challenge. <clears throat> pray that we take it to heart. Whatever God's doing in your heart and your life, <clears throat> you make those decisions that are honoring to him. So good to see everyone out today. You remember to pray for John and Becky during this time and, and uh, truly it was a blessing thing. Thank you for the challenge today. Good to see everyone. You're dismissed. Don't forget those that want to be involved in the nursery or involved in questions.